Hello! Hello! This is Aiden Taco Jones here, and you are listening to Coffee Is What Happens when you're busy making plans. Tuesday, the 2nd of July, 2019. How the fuck are you, huh? I feel good. I'm in, uh, I'm in Paris, Paris, France. I'm sitting in my mate Nico's living room, one of the two rooms in his apartment that he bought with European money. How about that, man? My boy Nico bought a place. I'm very proud of him, and uh, he bought it last week. I'm staying with him. I've, I believe I am his first house guest, um, and uh, it's just outside of the main central bit of Paris, outside the Boulevard Périphérique, which is the peripheral uh, boulevard of the city. Um, for those of you who can't who can't speak French like I can. <laughs> oh, mate, I love being in France because uh, I can't speak French fucking at all. I can say a few words, but boy, do I lean on them. <laughs> love it. I love it so much. Au <laughs> fait is a good one. That means that's like, in fact, is the direct translation. And French people say, so if you ever hear a French person speak English, you'll hear them go, you'll, they'll say actually a lot. Because they're translating from French. Because French people say, like, at the end of a word. Like, if I just, if I go, je m'appelle Aiden. That's, my name is Aiden, right? Yeah, I'm teaching you French and I can't speak it myself. <laughs> what an arrogant cunt. Um, so if I say, je m'appelle Aiden, it's just like, my name's Aiden. But if I say, je m'appelle Aiden en fait. It's like, you can just add it to the end. And it just legitimizes what you're saying so much more to a French person. They'll actually think that you can fucking, that you've just come up with that on the spot, you know? You're like, oh, actually, my name's Aiden. Like, it's just, it's more conversational. It's a, it's a trick. It's like comedians, uh, you know, like, like putting like little fucking pauses and stuff in their words to make it sound like they're just coming up with it on the spot. They're not. They've written it. It's a lie to make you laugh. Same thing if when I speak French, I'll put en fait on the end of something. And it makes it sound like I'm just coming up with it on the spot. Like I'm drawing from the vast pool of French knowledge that I don't have. And speaking to you in real time when actually what I did was stood in the toilet of the cafe that we're having a coffee in for like five minutes planning the next three things that I'm going to say. <laughs> and, and like Google translating the next shit that I want to say so that when the opportunity that I've planned out for arises, I can say it and then put en fait on the end. And, and they're like, oh, you can speak French. <laughs> no, no, I can't. I'm lying to you. I'm lying again. Like I always do. Yeah. I don't lie. I don't think I lie that much. Um. <laughs> this is about to get real deep, isn't it? I just had a, uh, I just had a really nice uh, coffee with a friend. Um, and we got, we got very deep. We were talking about lying and we were just talking about like, uh, uh, I shouldn't go into it too much, but this person basically used to date uh, two people at the same time and we were talking about how they uh, how they kind of navigated that and they were saying that they got really good at lying to the point where they didn't even know whether they were lying or or like they started to believe their own lies and and it was crazy basically and uh, we both kind of admitted that like because I said oh you know I, don't, I I'm not very good at lying and they were like well yeah that's what people who lie say and I was like yeah totally 
<laughs> I'm not very good at lying until I have to lie, and then I'm, you know, and then I'm passable, and then I guess I do it because I have to. Um, <laughs> that's crazy, right? I think everyone lies, you know, of course, but I don't like to think of myself as someone who lies. Um, but I will lie when I need to, and when I need to, suddenly I happen to be quite proficient at it, actually. Um, anyway, this is a podcast about coffee. <laughs> Um, my search for the perfect cafe traveling around the world. I'm pretty into it this week, to be honest. It's a weird project that I've given myself, um, and, and really pretty ill-defined from the outset is what I'm finding. But, um, this week I'm, I'm, I'm pretty happy with the results. I started the week, um, from last Tuesday. I was in Bangkok still. And, uh, last week I was talking about this place, uh, Red Diamond Coffee that I went to in the, in the Icon Siam Mall in Bangkok. And, uh, the dude there gave me the mission of going to the, the, uh, the original one, which I did do on the Wednesday just before I flew out on Thursday morning. And, um, mate, what a fucking day that was. It was, I love, like, part of what's enjoyable about finding new cafes is just the arbitrariness of... Like, you know, there were, there's probably tens of, maybe dozens or even hundreds of, oh, probably not hundreds of specialty cafes, but like there's definitely dozens of, of specialty coffee cafes in Bangkok is what I found. Um, they're, they're, you know, they're not that rare as what you'd think they would be. But I mean, it's a city of 12 million people. There's bound to be plenty. And uh, so the, the act of just picking one to go to, I mean, I've got my fucking book, um, and I'll talk about that a little bit more with these Parisian cafes that I've been going to. But, like, that's just one... The, the act of, like, picking a cafe is so arbitrary, you know? What, so, me just meeting a guy and him going, oh, I work for this company and that the original one's there. That was, the, that was all that I needed, you know, to fucking take... I took two hours worth of buses. And the traffic in Bangkok is a nightmare. But I was just like, well, this is the place that I've decided to go to. I've got a whole day, nothing to do. I don't know anyone in Bangkok that I can hang out with in the day. I'm quite lonely. So I think I might go to this original location of the Red Diamond Cafe. And uh, I jumped on the buses. I also, because no, like once you get outside of the tourist area, no one's really speaking English. And my phone didn't work. Like I didn't have, there's no Wi-Fi and I didn't have any data on my phone. So I loaded the map. But then the buses in Bangkok, I guess, aren't that reliable because they're just the third world country, you know? Even if it's a it's a big city, it's still like once you get outside of that kind of built up central area, you just, it's like, um, it's just like a huge town. Like, I don't know, you can feel the third worldness of it. Like, it's not organized. It's not like the buses are coming every 10 minutes or 15 minutes. At one point, man, when I flew back from Koh Samui, the island where I was doing the gigs, I met this French dude. Uh, I can't remember what his name was, but um, we met, we were, he had just flown from France and he'd just got to Thailand. I can't remember whether I told this story last week. Maybe I did, but anyway. Um, I, uh, no, I didn't. I recorded, oh, fuck, who cares? I, uh, I flew back in from Koh Samui and, um, I got to uh, the bus. I was like, got the bus from the from the airport, and then I needed to get another bus to get to my hostel. And uh, I, um, I'm like waiting at this bus stop. I meet this French guy. I see him with his backpack, and it just all the bus station had was just like a like they'd written in texter on the fucking girder. 
Kosum, uh, no, Kaosan Road, which is where we needed to go. So they'd like crossed out the old bus number that was like stenciled with paint there in, in a fucking like a Posca, like a paint pen, you know, just like a black texture pen on the metal and written in handwriting, Kosumu, uh, Kaosan Road. And me and this guy were like, this is what, Google didn't say to leave from there, but a dude who I met at the other bus stop, like a Thai dude who fucking just like had a jacket on who looked kind of official. And I said, Kaosan Road, he pointed at that place. So that that combined with the texter was like, okay, I guess this is where we're going. And um, we waited there for for. Fucking 50 minutes, five zero minutes waiting for this bus that we weren't sure whether it was coming or not. About half an hour in, a taxi pulled up and was like, Oh, one hour, next bus, one hour. You, we take you, I take you. And we we're like, How much? And he goes, 200. And I was like, 100. And he went, 150. And I'm like, 100. And he goes, 130. And I'm like, 100. And he went, No, one hour, you too much. And <laughs> just drove off. <laughs> I was like, I hope that dude's not right, but there's no way for us to know because that's the system. In the end, after 50 minutes, another cab pulled up and uh, me and this French dude agreed to split it for 150. And then as we got in, I was like, imagine if the next, bu- if our bus came right now and I looked out of the back window <laughs> and the French guy was like, don't even, don't look, man. And I was like, oh no. And he was like, really, is it though? And he turned around and the bus that we were waiting for was three cars behind us. Oh. but that's the vibe right that's that's thailand you don't know and so when i was going to um oh i've dropped my pen on the floor <laughs> when i was going to um when i was going to uh the fucking red diamond original location of the thing i got off the first it was two buses i had to connect and i got off the first one and by that point, I was fully out of the center. So, like, I'm just in, a like, a, a hub of, you know, buses are coming and leaving. And they're going, they're going every bloody which way. And I've got no idea which one to take at this point. I'm convinced, I've convinced myself through, like, self-doubt and, you know, too much time on the first bus to think. I've convinced myself that Google Maps is wrong. And, uh, or maybe I convinced myself, I don't know what I can, I just, for some reason I was like, I do, I know I saved the map on Google, but I'm now convinced that that's wrong or there's a better way to get there. So I'm going around asking Thai ladies who can't speak English, just like, I go this, I go this, I go this, just pointing at the map going here. <laughs> and they're like, all giving me conflicting information or pointing at different bus terminals to go to one lady just goes that one right there and i'm like now and she goes yeah so i just run onto a bus just a random bus get on there thankfully a lady on that bus speaks english and she goes no you're on the wrong one just get off here and go to the next one so whatever two hours after i leave my hostel i get to red Lo- uh, red diamond and uh i get in and i i fucking grab a seat i grab the chocolate twist just like Icon Siam, the one in the big mall, amazing chocolate twist. Evidently, it's a specialty of theirs. But the whole point and what I was starting to realize and what I've realized this week with the finding different coffee shops is it's not about the coffee shop. Of course, I'm trying to find stories, right? And I'm not going to find stories by just rocking up in a place and trying to osmose these stories out of the wall, you know? Like, you guys listening don't give a fuck about what coffee I had. Who cares, right? It's just coffee. I want 
the feel of the place. I, I want why it's interesting. That's why Singapore was so good because I got that story. And uh, so I'm sitting there upstairs drinking my admittedly very good, again, coffee, eating my delicious chocolate swirl uh, in air-conditioned bliss, staring out at the mayhem outside. It's, it's crazy that actually... The, that's kind of interesting that these coffee shops are um, in Asia very much just like bastions of first world comfort in like, you know, outside there's like a fucking huge highway and and like stray cats. Oh my God, I saw the worst thing. Fuck. Well, just the last gig that I did in, uh, in, in Thailand, I did a double on the Wednesday I did the Sportsman Bar first, opened up, and then I closed Khao San Road Comedy Club, um, which thank you to John for putting me on that show. That was so much fun. Every day of the week, um, got to close that four times. That was a lot of fun. And I was feeling good about myself. I was flying in the morning. I go to the 7-Eleven to stock up on cheap Thai cigarettes. I'm walking down the back alley that the, it's, you know, one of the soys, right? So, um, those little back streets that they have, that was what my hostel was on, and it was like 11.30, I'm feeling good, I'm flying out the next day, high off of doing two gigs, and the second one went well, I got some new stuff in, and uh, I'm walking down this back street, and there's all these stray cats in Thailand, they don't really have stray dogs there, but they've got heaps of stray cats, I turn a corner down the back street, there is a fucking kitten I shouldn't even be saying this, probably going to turn some people off, but there's a dead kitten in the middle of the fucking street with, like, I wouldn't think that this is something that I care about because I don't get that squeamish about animals, you know, I don't know, I, whatever, but it was just, it was dead, lying in the fucking street with blood coming out of its head. It was horrific, and I just... I kept walking and I bought my cigarettes and then I wouldn't think that this is something that I would do because I guess, I don't know, the morbid like fascination with it, but I couldn't even on the way back, I couldn't look at it. I just put my hand in front of my face when I knew it was coming up and, and like walk past it and oh, you forget, you know, you spend all this time in air conditioned malls and, and like nice coffee shops and whatever and you forget that this place with all those trappings is still very much a third world country. Um, oh, yeah, that was a nightmare. When I was in, uh, so I was in Red Diamond, right? And I'm looking out the window and there's that out the window and then, you know, turn around and they've got all this high grade like coffee grinders and and phenomenal machinery and, and like everything's very nice. And uh, I was getting frustrated. I was feeling like, I was, a part of me kind of felt, I was tempted to write it off as like, oh, they don't want to talk to me because I'm this, you know, foreigner, I don't speak Thai, and uh, and they're just doing their own thing. That was what I was tempted to think. I was, I was starting to even just be like, fuck these guys, you know? They don't have stories for me, they don't speak English, we're too far apart, nah, it's not going to work. And as I'm thinking there, it's sitting there like getting all bitter, one of the dudes comes up to me and... Uh, his English was very bad, but he, like, I think he was just bored because it's a coffee shop, but it was a Wednesday, you know, in the afternoon. There's not a lot of people there. So he just kind of stood there and we had, like, stunted conversations, but he stood there for long enough for me to be like, oh, this guy wants to talk to me. And uh, so I started asking him about the cafe and, and he just started making coffee and uh, he told me about this, I don't even know how to say it, 
Not Udom, some Thai comedian. Um, I don't know. It was... I didn't really learn anything about the cafe, but he was... Like, he seemed, like, very excited to... He was either wasting time talking to me or, like... What am I trying to say? It was nice that even though the conversation we were having wasn't very good, he still wanted to be there and have it, you know? <laughs> I don't know whether, like... I was trying to tell him that, I, 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 you know, I'm going like, oh, I, I have a podcast, podcast, you know, podcast. I have a coffee podcast that I, I'm trying to find stories. And he was like, yeah, I make coffee. <laughs> I make, yes, uh, I'm, uh, you like this coffee? I'm like, podcast. <laughs> In my head, I'm like, I'm a journalist, you know. <laughs> Just fucking not connecting at all. But uh, he, was a, he was a real lovely dude, man. I could tell from like the just the time that we were kind of sitting there together. He added me on Instagram and I followed him back. I've got some of his stuff. You know, he's got the classic like, oh, I'm doing my first pour over pictures. Whatever. That kind of... Ma- I was about to go sour on the whole thing. I was about to start being like, what am I... Who am I trying to go into people's workplaces and talk to them you know i was getting kind of cynical about it and um even though that conversation that me and this james dude had wasn't that's his name on instagram i can't remember what he introduced himself as but it wasn't james i think james is an anglicized version of his name whatever um just him like kind of taking the time to stand next to me and talk to me like that made me go like you know what no i'm i'm getting closer all right i just need to figure out how to do this better more than just going to a coffee shop and sitting there and and what hoping something's gonna happen no pathetic pathetic so i'm in paris now and uh i was excited i mean oh dude i fucking i love coming to paris anyway i always love coming to paris uh i've come a few (laughs) i I just simply adore paris what a fucking pretentious thing to say that's like some rich cunt who wants you to know that they travel a bunch oh i simply adore paris (laughs) <laughs> oh the louvre yes i know it so well fuck off cunt but i have come to paris a lot all right so in a way you know i am better than you uh, <laughs> i was excited to come to paris because the the paris section in the book um not like the uh, all the cities in Asia that just had little, if any, explanation for these coffee shops. The bit in Paris has like big, long paragraphs about all of these shops. And uh, this one, I'm going to read this review out for this shop called Fragments. I read this on the plane and this got me fucking super excited. So this shop, Fragments, um, in the 4th arrondissement in Paris. I have a friend making coffee in Paris. His name is Yusuf. And he has this place called Fragments. He is a one-man band. He has this chef who always rotates because they never get along. Yusuf is very special. He actually hates me a lot, but I love him with all my life. I sit right next to his coffee machine in the window on a little bench they have. He can take 10 minutes to make an espresso, make it three times, but when it's right, it's BAM! With an exclamation mark, even. 
he hasn't got a lot of customers because people know he's going to take 10 to 15 minutes to serve a coffee, but that's coffee, but that coffee is incredible. And Yusuf is the right kind of freak as well. That's the one who makes me the most comfortable. That's uh, Marcos Bartolome. Whatever. All right. That's a nice explanation. And that sounds like the kind of dude I want to meet. That sounds like, you know, like Soup Nazi in Seinfeld, right? Or like Bobo in Fat Pizza for an Australian reference. The crazy dude who makes amazing coffee, but he's crazy, you know, and he doesn't like you, but he'll make you the best coffee you ever fucking had and then spit in your face, but you'll go back because the coffee was so good. I want to meet this dude, Yusuf. So, uh, yesterday I, uh, I go and um, I was a little. I'll talk about this party that we had in a second. But I go right, and uh, I'm like, all right, I'm gonna find this fragments place. I go there first, and uh, it's too busy, so I go around the corner. There's another specialty coffee place, and I have a coffee there, and I'm just kind of sitting around waiting, and um, I wait for about an hour. There's like a line out the front of fragments. I go back around. And get in there, and it's very small. But I just <clears throat> same thing. Like I'm not. I don't. I don't see a Yusuf guy, right? No dude is. What I think I was expecting was to walk in and <laughs> have this guy just go, "Fuck you!" Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like the charisma of that's what I've read in this book. You know, I'm like, I'm waiting for this character to present itself and be a part of my story. And, uh, and it, it didn't happen. I just walked in and I went, bonjour. And someone went, bonjour, ça va? Or they didn't even go, ça va. I think they just went, bonjour, and said something. And I was like, okay, I, I, I'll sit down. That's the end of my French, you know. <laughs> so I go and sit down. And um, the chick is like, oh, we got the menu up here. I'll come to your table. And, and, and I'm like, I'll get the scrambled eggs. Bacon? Bacon? She's like, oh. I'm like, uh, bacon, and she's like, no, no bacon, I'm like, okay, just scrambled eggs, cool, the scrambled eggs, very good, by the way, and, uh, I can't even remember what coffee I got, some filter, it was good, you know, it was fine, but this dude didn't present himself to me, but that made me real. I mean, first of all, okay, maybe Yusuf is not there anymore, right, I've, I've finally discovered, if I just go to the back, the, the about section in the book isn't in the front. It's in the back. All the publishing notes. 2017 was when it was printed. So maybe already it's a little bit out of date. You know, maybe Yusuf's dead. Right? Maybe he, uh, maybe he died. <laughs> maybe he, <laughs> maybe he was too mean and someone killed him. Maybe he took fucking 20 minutes to make an espresso shot and someone pulled a gun on him. Can you imagine if someone pulled a gun on a dude in a coffee shop for taking too long to... It's possible, right? Maybe it happened. Or maybe he just became disillusioned with coffee and French people's inability to appreciate it in the way that his passion warranted and so he gave it up. Maybe he, maybe he went somewhere else where he thought his talents would be more appreciated. Or maybe he quit coffee altogether to become a sommelier and to get really into wine. Or maybe someone shot him in the fucking face. Maybe I'm looking for a dude that's not there. Or maybe he is there and he, the person who wrote that quote in the book is good friends with him. So they know him like that. And, you know, he's not going to fucking open himself up to just every single person who walks through the door. How selfish am I to think that, 
I'm going to be a part of this story just by virtue of coming to a cafe, you know? I started thinking about that. I started thinking like, started thinking like, um, I'm not going to be able to have the same experiences as these people because, and, and here it is, right? The next review, I'll, I'll read it again from Fragments, right? The very next thing is a different person. This is someone called Brian O'Keeve. C-A-O-I-M-H. I'm going to say that's Keeve. Brian O'Keeve said, My favorite place to get coffee in f- is Fragments in Paris. After a few times, you get to know the faces, and eventually you become a face yourself. If you sit there long enough, somebody will say something to you. The space lends itself to conversation and interaction. Lots of people come here alone and then just keep coming back once they see how it goes and how welcoming it can be. I first started going because of the coffee. I was one of the guys showing up, asking all kinds of questions, and in return, I left with all kinds of other questions. I was here. It was here that many of my ideas about coffee were challenged, where I cut my teeth and was really exposed to a different way of coming at coffee. For many, coffee can be a cup of caffeine, but for some time now, I've understood that it can resonate in a somewhere else. Somewhere else. Tell a story. And for the romantics among us, it can set the tone and play with our nostalgic side. Before Fragments, I hadn't seen this side of coffee. And then a little note down the bottom. Parisians are obsessed with their coffee, but much of it is uninspired. Thankfully, folks like Yusuf are out there breaking the mold. In In Paris, this is a standout. So that is like as glowing a review as there could ever be. And then I'm in this cafe... And I'm having a nice time. Like, not an amazing time. Not My life isn't changing. I just, just, it's nice, you know? The eggs were very good. They had some little green bits on the top. It was served in a shallow bowl. They gave me two bits of thick toast of a bread that I'm assuming was quite special in some way. But, but it, it wasn't what I was looking for, you know? I was I was looking for that. I'm I'm looking for... And I quote, something that will resonate in us somewhere else, tell a story, and for the romantics among us, it can set the tone and play with our nostalgic side. That's what I want. I want to have my nostalgic side played with, interfered with, in an illicit manner. I want to fuck. I'm trying to fuck, all right? I want to fall in love. And and I wasn't getting that from that cafe. And I started thinking, like, maybe I'm not going to get that as a traveler, as a, you know, just drifting through. These are the experiences that I'm after. But this dude is talking about being a face, get being in there every day. And, and then suddenly you become one of the faces. And I'm like, oh, maybe I'll go in there three days in a row. <laughs> like, maybe that's enough, you know? It's not enough. Of course that's not enough to be a part of a... This dude's talking about belonging to a thing, a place in a neighborhood. And I'm not going to get that from traveling in somewhere a week. And I started doubting myself again and doubting this thing. But, okay, while I was in Fragments, I thought, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to find all of the cafes listed in the book for Paris on Instagram. And I'm just going to message all of them. Telescope, Lustig, Fragments, Coutume, Honor Cafe, KB Coffee Shop, Holy Belly, La Fontaine de Belleville, Ten Bells, Cafe Lomi, Exagon Cafe, and Cream. I messaged, I didn't message all of them actually, that's a lie, I'm lying again. 
I messaged like a few of them that I thought that, you know, it sounded good, maybe six. And, uh, I just said, Hey, I'm a, this guy. I'm a comedian. I fucking, I want to meet you. I got a coffee podcast. Let's talk Turkey. And I got a reply, two replies from one from, uh, Lustig and one from La Fontaine de Belleville. And so today I'm recording this on Monday, by the way. Uh, today I went to Lustig and, uh, I met this dude called Chana and this is why I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic now. I reckon I can do it. I just got to meet people. This is what I've been scared to do the whole time and I just need to fucking reach out. It's harder than just walking into the place, right? I met this guy, uh, Chana and I'm going to butcher his last name, Galinage, I think, G-A-L-H-E-N-A-G-E. Um, I had a little chat to him, uh, it was great, he, I was like, oh, I just want to come in and, and talk about your place, you know, and get the story, and, uh, and he goes, oh, only if you let me make fun of you for being a Melbourne coffee traveller, I didn't even know that was a thing, apparently, when I went in and spoke to him, he was telling me there's this whole, uh, like, trope, I guess, of people from Melbourne, he said it happened quite a lot for about a year and it's tailed off a little, but people from Melbourne traveling, I guess, you know, traveling in Europe, it's quite common. <laughs> there are a few of us <laughs> um, traveling in Europe and, and, and I guess bringing with them this like arrogance of, you know, everyone talks about how great the coffee is in Melbourne and people in Melbourne start to believe their own bullshit and come out to fucking Europe and, and talk about how great Melbourne is, and they have all these lofty ideas, and oh, this is what we do, and blah, 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 let me fucking, and, uh, and this China guy seemed, he seemed very, like, it's graded with him, you know, like, it sucks, I guess, people have come out here, and I've done that in a way, with this podcast, and the whole shit I had about looking for the thing that I can get in Melbourne, and trying to find that in other places, you know, people bringing their ideas of, this is what we do in Melbourne, why doesn't everyone else do it like that, and I guess people have been coming over to Paris, and, and, and just fucking throwing that kind of attitude out there, and, uh, it's pissed him off a little, um, he, it was very interesting to talk to him, so the place has been open, uh, Lustig, it means joker in French, uh, like, uh, it's like a joker, but online, he explained it to me briefly, but I forgot, so I looked it up on Google, so sorry if this is wrong, but it's just like, uh, it's kind of pejorative, it's like if you're like a bit of a smartass, maybe, but kind of, the way that I understand it is it's like a lovable smartass or something, you know, so that's the name of his cafe, it's a lovely spot, two rooms, first room with the bar and the espresso machine, a uh, nice bench along here with tables that kind of come out from the wall so you can adjust them to where you need them to be. And a uh, little back room area, also very snug. Uh, he's had it for five years. He's, he's from, uh, this dude's from North London, but he moved over here 16 years ago to Paris. Was working in HR and uh, not really fucking doing that much. By his own admission, he said, he said my life began at 39. I love that. Because um, that was when he... Uh, that was when he opened the cafe, although interestingly, <laughs> it was just, I was like, because uh, he was talking about he's got a kid as well, and um, I said, uh, it's interesting that he said that his life began at 39, like opening a coffee shop was a bigger, 
<laughs> I don't know if I should be saying these things because uh, whatever. I told him I was going to tell his story on the pod. Um, he said his life began at 39, but he already had a kid, you know? Like opening a coffee shop is... I guess that's fucking very telling of his priorities. Whatever. Um, he said that was the perfect thing. I was like, man, that must have been fucking hard. So he was just like working in HR, jobs that were very uninspiring, whatever. And uh, then he said he uh, he missed coffee and uh, he was hanging out. So he was telling me about the Paris coffee scene and he said it started at this place called uh, La Cafeotheque, right? And he said there were 10, like a crew of like 10 people that were regulars at this place. Um, and that was, oh, I want to say, I think he was saying like 2008, maybe 10, 12 years ago, you know, or even the number in between that would be mathematically correct. <laughs> Um, and there were 10 regulars at this place. Um, they always used to talk to each other, go down there, drink the coffee there. That was the one place to get specialty coffee in Paris. And of those 10 regulars, all of them started their own coffee shops. Um, Chana started his place five years ago, didn't really know anything, never worked in coffee, um, but just started it, uh, had a kid, but he said actually that was good for starting a business because the kid having a kid made him like really organized you know which is um which is something that he needed in starting the business and uh talking to him about the paris coffee scene was interesting because he needed to uh the whole thing with paris is there's a hundred year old coffee culture here right people have been drinking coffee forever it's like italy and they have their own ideas about what they want it to be but it's kind of counterintuitive because like in Australia and England and America, it's a big takeaway thing, right? You go, you get your coffee, you take it away, but you want it to be good coffee. In Paris, they want to sit down. He said his friends don't come to the cafe unless they have an hour to spare because they like to sit down and enjoy it. But you would think then if their attitude to it is that they want to sit down and enjoy it, they would be wanting the best coffee, but they don't actually think about the product that they want. They just, they want the moment. That's the difference here. They don't want the... They don't want the, they don't need the thing to be like light roasted or whatever. They'll just have like out of the machine with the button, but they want the moment to be nice. And, um, and, uh, and so when people from like, uh, like I thought, right, there's a place called Hardware Society in Melbourne and there's another one in Paris. And I said to Chana, like, what about Hardware Society? That place is dope, right? And he kind of looked at me like, well, actually, no, that's not really in the conversation because these guys from Melbourne, he kind of reckoned they came over here with the same attitude that a lot of the tourists come over with, which is just like, let us fucking show you how this is done, all right? We're, we're from Melbourne. We know how to make coffee. Let me show you how to run a fucking coffee shop, idiots. <clears throat> and in coming, people from Melbourne, very proud of the coffee that we make, but in coming over here with that attitude of like, I'm just going to make a Melbourne coffee shop in Paris they didn't think that in Paris, people don't want to have fucking pork belly for breakfast. It's a light breakfast culture. It's not a brunch culture. So you can't just change the culture like that. You've got to take something from where you're coming to. You can't just come with a brand new thing and expect people to be all over it, right? They've got their own habits and ways that they live their life. And, um, another interesting thing, I'm just going to start throwing facts over here because I'm losing a narrative, I think. But uh, another thing that Chenna was saying was, so 50% of his customers in his cafe are French speaking. So it's, and that that's a high percentage, 
for specialty coffee, there's a perception in the in the wider French culture that specialty coffee shops are an expat thing. They're for English speakers. They're not for French people. French people go to the brasserie, you know, like the the places that you think of when you think of Paris. Seats on the on the street and uh, smoking and the shitty coffee, right? Those like zinc countertops. And uh, the specialty coffee places are for tourists and immigrants, and they're not for French people. And uh, what I've noticed in coming to Paris for like since 2015, I've come at least once a year since then, it seems like there's more specialty coffee shops opening in Paris, and it seems like there's a bit of a boom, right? But talking to this guy, he, he really impressed upon me. He said, I want you, if you're going to write about this or talk about the French coffee scene, I want you to talk about how it's hard. It's not booming. He said there's there's more places opening, but the number of people drinking specialty coffee in Paris isn't expanding. It's the same number of people, so there's more places competing for more slices of the same pie. And, uh, and then... Uh, I mean, he also mentioned... I didn't even know anything about this. He looked at me like I was a fucking idiot. But the yellow vest movement, there's been like uh, protests in... In, in France about uh, cost of living. Uh, there have been protests evidently every week for like 33 weeks in a row. Every weekend there have been protests. Apparently it's worldwide news, but I didn't fucking know anything about it. <laughs> but um, that's affected business. And uh, and now it's we're into summer, so everyone's away. So this is the down period. Um, it sounds like business is, it's not bad, but like it's not expanding. It's not going great. And, uh, and he was saying he thinks it's going to be like another 10 years for attitudes to start changing as more young French people grow up with a little bit more cosmopolitan ideas of coffee and, um, and start the, the ideas of third wave coffee, get more into the mainstream. I don't know. This was fucking so interesting to me. As I sat there in this cafe, just listening to this dude, he was so passionate. He was really just like, because he loves coffee. I asked him, I was like, what do you love about it? And he said he loves that, the, he loves the, uh, the puzzle, you know? Like every coffee bean has inside it this flavor that you can get and you got to use the machine and like grinding and everything as a way to like unlock that flavor and every single one is different you know even if you get one from one farm year to year the climate's going to be different so it'll change it's like like fucking grapes with wine you know every year it's different the product's different because it's an organic product and you got to figure out how to get the most out of each one and uh and then he said he also loves owning a cafe those moments where uh, like he can see someone turn to the person next to him and just start talking to them like a random person, you know, like you just feel like a bit of human interaction. You're sitting in this place. You can just turn and start talking to someone. It was very lovely. And I've finally felt like in having the balls to fucking just send out a message. And I was like, Oh, I figured out a little bit of how to do it. Cause I guess what I'm trying to do with this project is just have an excuse to meet more people, you know? And, uh, I think I was frustrated with it. Maybe it was just being in Asia, the language barrier, having the balls to, to, to send out a few messages and talk to that guy. It felt like I, I broke through some sort of barrier. And that's what I want to do now. All the cities I go to, I've got to, I, I got to meet more people. I've got to make contact with these people. 
Is that the end? I think that's the end. I was going to talk about the the party that we had, but it doesn't feel like it really needs to be. I don't know. I'm on day 12 of, uh, by, by the time you're hearing this, it'll be day 12 of, of fucking quitting drinking. I'm not drinking anymore. Crushing it. Uh, Nico had a housewarming party at his apartment on Saturday night. I didn't drink. <laughs> and <laughs> I didn't drink. And so at 12.30 when I felt tired, rather than just take that as a sign that I need to drink more, I just get this crazy. I went to sleep. I was tired and so I went to sleep and then at 2am I woke up and the party was still going so I came downstairs and fucking some neighbour of his had heard that there was a party and so he came down and he brought a fucking rabbit and <laughs> there was like a rabbit, like a fluffy little bunny rabbit roaming around this party and people were smoking and doing drugs and drinking and I played with the rabbit for a bit and I was still tired and I fell asleep on the couch, it was lovely! That is the podcast. That's what I've been doing this week. I hope you guys have enjoyed that. Thank you so much for listening. I'm going to chuck a little song here at the end. I've been listening to uh, that song Dreams by Fleetwood Mac. Oh, man. But the take two, I don't know. It's in Spotify's take two. I guess it's just like a very sparse version. The one bit that annoys me is the first high note that she, she can't hit it. She's flat on it. What a fucking stupid bitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's the podcast. <laughs> this is Aiden Tango Jones. Coffee is what happens when you're busy making plans. Have a great Dude. week. I'll talk to you next week. Ciao.
Now here I go again. I see the crystal vision. I keep my visions to myself. We're solely me. Dreams of loneliness, like a heartbeat, drives you mad. In the stillness of remembering what you had and what you lost and what you had. Remember what you lost. 